I became fascinated with looking at things where they fall in a, for lack of a better word, on a timeline. That's serious stuff that we just talked about. I'm trying to be comic relief, so I'm going to move away from it right now. We need markers to remember what God has done in our lives. Uh, here we go. Here we go. I'm glad I'm around somebody to make fun of. <laughs> because what you see when you begin to look at history is that we're all connected. It's good stuff. This is History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. Featuring Angie Ferris, I'm your host, Frank Rains Jr., along with producer Wes. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to History Through the Eyes of Faith. This is Frank. I'm here with Angie, and producer Wes is here. And you know what? This is episode 30, take two. Funny story. It only took us 30 episodes to lose an episode. So what happened, Angie? We don't know what happened. But what, but what What are we explaining right now? That producer Wes was not with us when we recorded episode 30 the right. first time. And somehow it disappeared. Yeah, we don't know how. So we got 31, but so, we have no 30. So we're recording episode 30 for the second time right now. Yeah. So so, uh, <laughs> so if you're, if you've listened to 29... There were some things we talked about at the end of 29 that we're going to talk about now um, that we already talked about. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of things that we talked about when we recorded episode 30, fir- 30 first. the first time. <laughs> 30 the first time. 30 the first time that I don't remember. Yeah. So throughout this episode, you, know, you were coaching me a little bit because you listened to 31 and you were able to kind of piece the things that we talked about. We do listen to I want you to coach me while we're recording of what we need to talk about. I have a feeling during the recording there's going to be, oh, yeah, I remember at this point I said this. Yeah, well, that and maybe I will. But when we were at the end of 29, we opened up some candles from, uh, the, what's the name of the candle company? Sea Cow Candle Company. Sea Cow Candle Company. And uh, there were two different... It was house divided kind of deal because mm-hmm. it was Alabama candles and Ole Miss candles. Because my house is divided. Right. With Ole Miss fans and Alabama fan. fan yeah. Me. Singular. And I'm an Alabama fan because that's our family. We're and our, Al- parents our parents are huge Alabama, Alabama fans. fans. So episode 29 was recorded before Ole Miss played at Alabama, right? Right. Because uh, that's where the game was. Right. And so... I was watching the game here, and Angie and her family were watching the game at her house, and you know, was, she was a little bit concerned about what to do because she wanted both teams to win, but obviously there was going to be a loser. Her husband went to Ole Miss. Her daughter went to Ole Miss. Her son, of course, supports Ole Miss because of that, but she was raised Alabama, and so she wants Ole Miss to do well, but yet she's an Alabama fan, so there was a lot of tension there. Right, and, and our kids came in from out of town. We were all watching the game together, which is unusual. Like, yeah. I don't, that hasn't happened in many, many years that we've all been able to watch yeah. a football game, that football game together. Yes. And I have my little granddaughter. She's two. And I had her saying before the, t- before, if you listen to 29, you'll get this. Before the game, I'd whisper in her ear and she was going, Hotty Toddy Roll Tide. Hotty Toddy Roll Tide. <laughs> Oh, Which wow. did yeah. not go over well with her parents, but no. But so 
I mean, spoiler alert, Alabama won. Yeah. I think handedly. A little bit more handedly than anybody anticipated, I think. Uh, now, that was the that was the game before they lost to Texas A&M. Alabama lost. Alabama lost. And yeah. the game before, now Ole Miss has beat LSU and Tennessee and who was the Arkansas. All yeah. of those have happened since then. Yeah, so... So and Alabama I, and Ole Miss are sitting with only one loss in the SEC West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As of today, but by the time you hear this, that could be so much history. Well, it, I don't know. By the time they hear this, oh yeah, this one's coming out this week. It's coming out tomorrow. this week, and there's no Alabama game this weekend, right? And Ole Miss is playing Auburn in Auburn. Yeah, well, that's going to be good. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, SEC football is awesome. And I've been watching a lot. I mean, I had the setup uh, where I put three TVs on and not small screens, but nice, not huge, but, you know, nice 30 inch and more size screens. And so I'll have three games going on. Like there was one Saturday a few weeks ago that it was uh, all three SEC games that I wanted to see. I think it was an Ole Miss game. It was. Uh, Kentucky was playing Georgia. And Alabama was playing who were they playing? It was all at the same time. Yeah, but Alabama, was, I think, was playing in the afternoon or the evening. Well, I think it was the Ole Miss-Tennessee game. Alabama's playing exactly the same time because I'm watching yeah, but Alabama. Yeah, that, that was at night. Oh, okay. That was at night. This was when the, all three were starting at 11. Oh. Because what happened was all three were great, and then it got to the afternoon games, and there was only like one I wanted to watch. And I had all these screens, so I had to figure out how to. Yeah, it sounds silly, but, um, but they're still set up. They've yeah, been set up now, I, I think, for three or four weeks. Because here's what's so funny: it was uh, it was a it was a Monday night. I guess it was last week. So it was a Dodgers Braves game. It was uh, Monday night football, and I wanted to watch a new series on Netflix. So I didn't have to hear the football or the baseball, right? You so just I could had, keep up with them while you're watching your Netflix. So I had the baseball game here, the football game here, and then watching Netflix. So I'm watching a show, but able to see what's happening. Oh, look, they just got another run in. Oh, look, they're up oh, by three runs. We can never relax. And they wonder how we have such a hard time relaxing. What's wrong with the general? We I have know. 200 things going at Turn the same Turn this time. podcast off right now. <laughs> no, just zero in on it. <laughs> yeah, well, zero in on it. Focus. Yeah, so the, the news coming out of the Alabama Ole Miss game was I thought that my children were coming into town because they wanted to watch the ball game all together. Okay. But I knew that wasn't the case. Yeah. Almost everybody I know knew that wasn't the case because Tim and I were both born in the same year and our birthdays are about three months apart. And right now we're in the period between his birthday and my birthday. And this is a big decade year for us. And so they threw us a surprise birthday For party. 40th birthday party. At our own house after the ball game. And that was so awesome. It was quite entertaining because all of a sudden people just start coming in my house, which I love having people over. And the first couple of people walk in, it's a couple of ladies I know. And I'm like, hey, and they were just like, Sitting down, setting up shop. You didn't wonder why they were there? Well, we had had a party the night before that they had been invited to. So my first thought was, oh, they just got the date mixed up. But I'm sitting there. Also, the other thing that was pretty funny was all of a sudden, 
I decided to cook this big dinner for my family because you were supposed to be coming and bringing my parents over who had they been feeling well and everything went well. They would have both been here watching the ball game with you. So I'm cooking dinner and my daughter and daughter-in-law are both without me knowing it, trying to really slow down this dinner process because they know that there are trays of food fixing to arrive for all the people. She was fixing food fixing, and food was fixing, fixing to come. I've gotten so self-conscious about that word. And now. you should be. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so these first two show up and I'm just thinking, okay, fine, whatever. And then this other couple shows up who doesn't know those first two. These are friends from somewhere else. And they don't live that far away. They're not like next door, but they're just a couple, few miles away. And they said, oh, we just thought we'd drop in and check on you after the game. And I'm like, okay, that's a little unusual, but not totally unbelievable. And then I walk around the corner and this other guy's standing there that does not know any of these other people. And I went, okay, something's up. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I glance over and I see some cards laying there on the table. I walk back in the kitchen. I say to my daughter, are we going to have enough food? <laughs> she goes, oh, yeah. So it was great fun. People just kept coming all evening. And and I did come up there. Yeah. Parents didn't come. Yeah. But I did come up. And uh, and Josh confirmed that there are UFOs. No, he did not. <laughs> he did not. Lots um, of fun conversation. So as we're talking about episode 30, 29 ended... With arrival into Jerusalem, right? Yes. Jesus' arrival with, right. into Jerusalem. Because I think I remember hearing you go, so the, the the town of Jerusalem, how do they feel about Jesus coming? And I said, uh, mm, they didn't like it too much. No, no, no. They love, remember? And again, I felt like I was getting quizzed. I know. I fail in that department. No, I just, I get the deer in the headlights look. I don't know the answer. Because they didn't, they were saying crucify him. So that's okay. why I was saying they didn't yeah. like it. but. Right. But you, but you fixed it. They so, were. So before we get into the storyline, there was a few things that we needed to cover from previous episodes. You know, sometimes we go back and we listen and we re-entered the studio and we're like, oh, how about this? Okay. So one of those things was you asked me in one of the previous episodes, which of the four gospels were written by people who actually were one of the disciples? Mm -hmm. And I said... Matthew was the only one, and one of our astute listeners let me know, hey, you need to rethink that. John was. John was, right. So, And guess what I learned this week? What? That Mark was an assistant or pupil of Peter? No, Paul. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we hadn't got to him yet. People don't know who that is. Yeah. And that Luke... Was the like student of Peter? No. Who then? Paul. John Mark. Mark was actually John Mark. I think that's right. Okay, and Luke was also of Paul. Yeah, but we're gonna get to him too. Uh, I'm we're disagreeing. Okay. Because well, I'm reading a book. I'm reading a book that doesn't say that. Okay, so we'll put put a pin in that. We'll reinvestigate when we, okay. we approach that. All okay. Right. The other thing we need to talk about was you were all tore up about this whole John the Baptist character in this scene that you saw as a kid and how it messed you up forever. And, and I think I talked about that in 31, too. You do, but we said in a previous episode that we would talk about that when we got to John the Baptist. But then we kind of skipped over that because we went to the end of Jesus' life. We did a summary about Jesus in 29, then we went to the end of his life. So 
we need to say what happened to John the Baptist. So did we say that in thirty? Already? Yes, we did in our in our thirty take one. <laughs> okay. We talked about it, and I went out and I tried to find the scene that you I did, watched. Now in thirty one, you do talk about what the movie is. I, okay, so I can't talk about that now, right? Because <laughs> they're going to hear that in the next they're episode. The next one. Well, I have an update on it. I think you do. I'm pretty sure you do. Well, yeah, I, you I, do. I, I know, know I looked do. it up. Yeah, and you do. I, I, but, but after the episode was over. So you got to say that update for 32 because that's where it'll fit. All right. Somebody take a note. Yeah. Okay. 32. Producer West, take a note. 32, talk about the John the Baptist movie. Yeah. About your update that you've discovered. Right. Oh, my gosh. We're really having to use all of our brain cells right now and get this so, all over. So, so we have to talk about what happened to John the Baptist. So what happens to John the Baptist is during the time of Jesus' ministry, he gets arrested. Yes. He gets arrested. And then Herod ends up what? You know, I mean, you tell him what happens What happens to, to John the Baptist? Uh-huh. Well, Herod, which is Herod, wasn't Herod the Great. It was Herod. Uh, I think it's Antipas. Antipas. Uh, yeah, yeah. His son. Um. His wife wanted John the Baptist killed. Yeah, she didn't like him. And <clears throat> somehow there was a young woman. His daughter, his her daughter. It was the wife's daughter, maybe Herod's daughter. I don't know, I think. Oh, uh, well, not based on the film clip I saw. It better not have been his daughter. <laughs> I think it might have been, but anyway. No, it wasn't his daughter. It better not have been his okay, daughter. Okay, I'm going to look that up while you're telling so, the story. The, the deal was, from what I understood, from Hollywood. <laughs> Which is such an authoritative source. Yeah. Is that this young woman was going to dance for him at this party for Herod. And if she would dance for him, he would grant her. It was her daughter. Okay. Her so, name was Salome. Okay. And it was her daughter. Okay. Herodias. And, and if. And if. Was her mother's name. If she, if the daughter did this dance for Herod, then Herod would grant her anything she wished. Okay. Yeah. And the backstory from Britannica.com is that John the Baptist had opposed her marriage to Herod. So that's why Herodias, John the, Herodias, Herod's wife, did not like John the Baptist because he had spoken out against her marriage. Yeah. Herod already has him in prison. He's already been arrested. And All right, I've got a okay. So when she dances for Herod, he goes she goes, You said King, whatever she called him, Your Grace, you <laughs> will give me any wish. And he said, What is it? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And he said, Okay. <laughs> he was disappointed that that's what she wanted because it was he felt tricked and betrayed. Yeah. Um but that's what they did. They gave him the head of John the Baptist. And there's several paintings mm-hmm. that are of this. Right. Mm-hmm. Of the John's head on a plate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and have to say this. When we get to 32, say, Frank, you already said that in 30. Well, if you say too much now, we won't have time to cover all the same no, content I'm not gonna say much. that no, we no, did no, no, on no, take no. one. This is going to be one less than one minute. Um, I never found the scene that I thought I saw. So oh. I don't know if I made it up in my head, saw it in a book. Whatever. I never found the scene. Or they edited it out of the movie. It's not on YouTube. I don't know. But uh, 
what is his name? He passed away a couple of years ago. Captain Von Trapp. Oh, you that comes up in thirty one. Yeah, I'm gonna say it now though. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Christopher Plummer plays Herod in that film, and it came out in like seventy six, maybe seventy two, seventy three. Listen to thirty one. The exact dates in there. Yeah. Um. He was into that dance. Okay, enough of that. And it was inappropriate. This is extra biblical information. <laughs> okay. Christopher Plummer, Captain Von Trapp. Okay. Was Herod. All right. So one other thing I wanted to talk about in prep, which is... Mm, okay, I got to really get my mind back in the game here. Okay. Is um, we talked about in the previous episode kind of a summary of Jesus's life, like how he focused on healing and what he was like. And we talked about he was charismatic and that... And, and those kind of things. And I'm not sure. Anyway, what I want to add to that is we we didn't talk a lot about what he taught. T-A-U-G-H-T. That um, it's and it seems now since. Why did you why did you spell taught? Because I'm not sure I could. We didn't talk about what he taught. Because it kind of sounded like to kind of sound like talked to me. <laughs> okay, it didn't sound right, I, and I didn't know if it meant that rope is real taut. <laughs> and I'm like, I was I was distracted by. Oh my gosh, we're never. Why gonna did make you it. spell it? We're never gonna make it. The listener was distracted too. Why did she spell that? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm so we didn't we didn't talk a lot about what since he Jesus has died, resurrected, ascended. We talk a lot now about what was his teaching we focus on his teaching we go back and study that and so that is there and there's a lot of that in the stories about him right okay what we were trying to summarize was kind of what his persona was like and what were the actions that he was doing while he was here on the earth you know yeah so um did we talk about um Again, this is that that moment you're talking about. Oh, I remember that. What episode did we talk about in his teaching? I asked. This must have been in 29 when he. It was in 29 when we talked about the the disciples. Yeah. And that they were young. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that was 29. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So there was a lot of teaching and helping and compassion. Okay, he would speak a lot of speaking the truth. That really attracted people, and they were amazed by that. The authority with which he spoke and the truth that he spoke and that his the focus of his speech and of his life was considering the attitude of your heart as well as your good acts. It wasn't mm-hmm. just what you do, but what is the attitude behind it more so really diving deep into that. And so we can therefore spend years, our entire life reflecting, studying, getting insights into what he said and when he said it and, and what he has for us and all of that. We just wanted to summarize his life briefly and kind of give you a flavor. I guess that's what I'm trying to convey the flavors that the the atmosphere sense. the the spirit of his teaching um a little bit about how you would experience him 
I think that's during that time when he was walking on the earth. Yeah. So now, and I remember because interesting, we recorded we recorded thirty the first time in a different location, right? And so as we're doing thirty now, where we recorded twenty nine, uh-huh. I'm having some memories of thirty or twenty twenty nine. Okay, so. One thing we so when we started our study of the last week of Jesus's life, I mentioned that I was using the timeline put together by a radio station, ninety five point one Shine FM, mm-hmm. and we never did tell our listeners where that was. And that, what do you call it? Call letters or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's WRBS of Baltimore, Maryland. So 95.1 Shine FM, Baltimore, Maryland, WRBS. The reason I share that with you is when Holy Week rolls around, Mm -hmm. and I think Frank pulled out his phone during our first recording of episode 30 and found out when Holy Week is in 2022 and put it on his calendar Mm -hmm. to contact that radio station and sign up for their text alerts, because then you will get texts throughout the week of Holy Week and They'll be telling you what's happening with Jesus at that time in his life during yeah, that week. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what that was. I believe uh, I believe Easter is, um, oh, we have a visitor. Oh, we do. We have a visitor. We do. We have a special and visitor so, in the studio. So we probably need to We'll pause. take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about when Easter is in 2022. Okay. All right. I'd see you. Okay, so we're back. That was not a break at all to the listener, uh, our listeners. Um, we just had to take a little bit of break with a guest here, um, but we were talking about the Easter of 2022 is actually on April the 17th. That's Easter Sunday. And so on April the uh, 10th is Palm Sunday, which was what we talked about in 29 of him coming into Jerusalem. Right. And so uh, I put on my um, calendar on April the 9th to, to tune into a 95.1 shine, uh, WRBS FM, um, to get the updates on Holy week. Cause that's what you were talking about is how that radio station yeah. will give you updates <clears throat> of what's happening on a daily, sometimes hourly basis of that last week. Right. So you go there, go to their website and I'm sure there'll be a place to subscribe, put in your phone number and get your text that's gonna be fun i'll put a re- and i put a reminder in my calendar because i will forget so the listener pause it whatever you do if you're on a phone listening to your podcast whatever it would i'm just saying it'd be neat even if you don't listen to any more podcast episodes of this to get a reminder in six months like oh maybe i'll go check that out yeah cool and now that i'm signed up it just automatically starts this is my second year Okay, cool. Holy Week, so that's pretty cool. All right, so back to so we got through with Sunday. He's got in town. Big response. Everybody praising and celebrating and treating him as a king. That whole idea of riding in on a donkey and having the palms put down in front of him means royalty. Everybody's very excited he's there. So the next day of the week is Monday, obviously, and here's what happens on Monday. This is reading from Matthew 21. Now, is this the first time our listeners are hearing what happened on Monday? Yes. Matthew 21, verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all of those who were selling and buying on the temple grounds. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. 
Yeah. And you know what? I remember us talking about this. <laughs> yes. Because money changers. Yeah. And so what was happening in the temple was and there were certain sacrifices that you were supposed to make for certain occasions. And so people, merchants, would set up stalls actually on the temple grounds. So rather than you having to pick out, say, your best turtle dove or your spotless lamb and bring it all the way in they would just sell it to you but it was like disney world markup right you're not going to pay the same thing that you would for a lamb before you got to jerusalem during holy week or it wasn't called holy week during the week of the passover right so that's why jesus refers to them as the the bible refers to them as the money changers and that's why he says my house will be called a house of prayer but you're making it a den of robbers they're also changing out currencies People are coming in. So as a Jew, you were supposed to come to Jerusalem during Passover week. Mm -hmm. And so people are coming in from all over the empire. Jews are coming and followers of Judaism, whether they were Jews or not. Mm -hmm. And they're changing out currencies there. And there's a markup for that, too. So it's interesting. And um, (laughs) uh, does Wes have his cans on? You see? Yes. So he can hear me. it's interesting because we, because you know, Wes wasn't with us when we originally recorded thirty. Right. But I find it so interesting that they're like, "All right, Passover week's coming up. Everybody's got to have these specific animals to sacrifice. They're coming in from out of town. They might have different types of currency. This is a great opportunity for us to make some money. You know." Yeah. And that's what they were doing. And I'm not faulting the capitalism of that. And it probably went on all the time, just more at that week than at other times. Yeah. I was trying to think, and I think when we recorded this before, I made some analogy to maybe a game that you're going to, a sports event, and you don't have something, so somebody's right there going to sell it. You know, it's kind of like putting the ATMs at casinos. Yeah. Or ATMs somewhere. You're like, hey, I'm going to put an ATM Mm -hmm. right here because they got to pay in cash, so here's an opportunity. Right. So I never really knew that until we talked about this. I knew about him turning over the tables and, you know, just, you know, destroying these things and making a big scene. But I didn't I had not put together what was actually going on, which, like you said, it was probably going on all the time. It was just, you know, but just a lot more people at this time and probably a lot more merchants. And he was saying, hey, you know, this is not what this is about. It's not about making money. Right. And so he's been to the temple before. He's been in Jerusalem before. As far as we know, this hasn't happened before. But he also knows that he's coming to the end. And, yeah, and he's so, a little on edge. Well, I don't know about <laughs> on edge as much as there will be consequences for this, but the time has come. Yeah. The time has I've, come. Yeah. Okay. It's so interesting. So that's Monday. On Tuesday, we're going over to the... Uh, and remember, we're reading... Do you reading, think he ever apologized? I don't think he felt like he had anything for which to apologize. No, I just imagining he's on edge. He's got this internal stuff going on. He's like, you know what? I, sh- no, I probably no, shouldn't no, have blown he, up like that. He never sinned. That's true. Okay. So you answered my question. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, sorry for that little theology thrown in there. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, that's in other places in the New Testament if you want to go check that out. So... We're reading this story from all four Gospels. We mentioned it before that all four of them have a whole lot about the end of the of the last week of Jesus's life. So now we're jumping back over to Luke chapter 20, verses 1 through 8. This is on Tuesday in the morning. On one of the days while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted him. So this is all of the 
Jewish rulers, and they declared, saying to him, Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, or who is the one who gave you this authority? But he replied to them, I will also ask you a question, and you tell me. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? They discussed among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death, since they are convinced that John was a prophet. And so they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, Neither am I telling you by what authority I do these things. So he he answered a question with a question. Yeah. And what's interesting about this passage to me is it shows their thinking, which is like they're really just trying to force him into saying something. Tell us by what authority. He asks a question that he knows they won't answer because they're sitting who they're concerned about. Please. They're concerned about how they look and who they're pleasing because they say, well, if we say this, then he'll say, why didn't you believe him? But if we say that, then the people will be upset with us because they believe John was a prophet. So they just choose not to say anything. So they have a political answer. What you read about in the scriptures is Jesus speaks with authority and with truth. They're basing their answer on what's politically expedient. So they say not to answer. They decide not to say they don't know. And Jesus says, neither am I telling you about what authority I do these things. So um, then Jesus and the disciples go to the Mount of Olives for teaching. And you can read that in the book of Matthew in chapters 24 and 25. If you want to read about what he was teaching about that day. And then... In the evening of that day, around uh, somewhere around, well, after dark in the evening, the Jewish authorities are going to plot the death of Jesus. And you can read about this in Matthew. I'm fixing to read from Matthew 26, 3 through 5. At that time, the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the courtyard of the high priest named Caiaphas, and they plotted together to arrest Jesus covertly and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise a riot might occur among the people. Hmm. So that is on Tuesday night that they are plotting to kill him, but they're not going to do it. Well, they're plotting to get him arrested. And kill him. Arrest Jesus covertly and kill him. That's what it says. Well. Um, Which is interesting because we see as we get further in the story, the Jews can't kill him. They don't have the legal right to put someone to death. Only the Romans can do that. So that comes out as we go forward. We see how that happens. Okay, then on Wednesday. um, Therefore, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. We didn't share this story, but it's in the Gospels. Um, Jesus actually calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And um, there's reason to... We didn't talk about this before. No. No. There's reason to believe that um, he... That Jesus is very close friends with Lazarus and his sisters. They come up several times um, during the story of Jesus' life. So now he's going to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom he had raised from the dead. So they made him a dinner there, and Martha was serving, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. And Mary, who's also, Mary and Martha are Lazarus' sisters. Mary then took a pound of very expensive perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. 
But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who intended to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the proceeds given to poor people? Now he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and as he kept the money box, he used to steal from what was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. So Judas is talking negative about Mary because she's, in his mind, wasting this perfume. But the scriptures tell us his real concern was not the poor people, but because he took care of the money box and he would take money from it. But Jesus tells him to leave her alone because she's getting him ready for his burial. Or, you know, it'll be better for, for my burial. Yeah. Hmm. The large crowd of the Jews then learned that he was there in Bethany, and they came not on account of Jesus only, but so that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. So the crowd is following him there. And then it goes on in in Luke 22, verses 3 through 6. And Satan entered Judas, the one called Iscariot, Iscariot, who belonged to the number of the twelve. And he left and discussed with the chief priests and officers how he was to betray him to them, him meaning Jesus. And they were delighted and agreed to give him money. And so he consented and began looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them from the crowd. That's interesting. So do you think... Away from the crowd, I left out that word. To betray him to them away from the crowd. Was Judas, I mean, there might be studies about this, but was Judas very into having money? They talked just, about him taking just money. Just based from, on what the scripture said. I mean, like, I don't know that it says that anywhere else. Okay. I'm just saying there's, he's finding opportunities to get money. Right. And and he's willing to betray, you know. So he goes and works out a deal to betray him away from the crowd. And that was on Wednesday, Wednesday night. Okay. Then on Thursday morning. Now, the first day of unleavened bread came on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Now. What is this Passover and this Passover lamb? I think we mentioned this, but this is where my brain's a little foggy. I know we mentioned it back in the Old Testament, whether we reviewed it. We did review it, I think, at the end of 29. So the Passover lamb, remember, is the lamb that was the pure unblemished lamb that was killed and its blood was used to put on the doorpost when the Israelites were leaving Egypt. Mm-hmm. Okay, when Moses was leaving them out, what it, which is called the Exodus. Mm-hmm. And the reason they put that blood from the lamb on the post was for the angel of death to pass over that house. Okay, so this celebration of unleavened bread, this feast of the Passover, is why all the Jews are there in Jerusalem. And it has come to Thursday, which is the day on which the lamb is sacrificed, when they kill the lamb to prepare the meal. And now the first, I'm going to reread that sentence. Now the first day of unleavened bread came on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And so Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. So he's telling them to go prepare the meal. They said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, 
Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upstairs room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. In, in the upper room. In the upper room. And we had a conversation in episode 30, take one, about the upper room. Yeah. Which, which was what? Um, <clears throat> in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the metro area of which we are located in. Yes. Um, there's was There was a school. What was the organization? Cokesbury? No, it's uh, part of the United Methodist Church called the Board of Discipleship. And it's still there. Okay. Part of the United Methodist Church called the Board of Discipleship has a a building, a location. That's where their offices, off, offices are. Offices yeah. are down in Nashville, down near 18th Avenue and mm-hmm. 19th. Um, and uh, they have a room that they refer to as the upper room where they have a life-size painting. Wood carving, I think. Oh, a wood carving of the Last Supper, Da Vinci's Last Supper. Mm-hmm. But it's to scale. Right. So it's really large. It's really large. And they've they've built onto that a table, maybe? I think so. That's what my memory's thinking. So I, I want to go there. Yeah. I remember going there years ago. Yeah. The uh, kind of a part of the reason they have that is that the Board of Discipleship publishes a devotional book every two months, I think, that has daily devotionals for those two months. And it's called The Upper Room. Right. Okay. So I don't know which came first. The upper room or the publication? Well, the upper room was definitely first because it was Jesus had the, the meal. original upper room, but yeah. the one in Nashville, I don't know which, you know, like. This, that's actually, the one in Nashville is the actual one. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. They moved it. Yeah. So I, we don't know what their COVID policies are, but what we mentioned was like we could just, like, one of our perks for our listeners on, at some level of membership could be, you know, a tour of Nashville because we've already got the Parthenon going and now we can add in the upper room and, you know. It's temporarily closed. Really? Yeah. Well, at least it says temporarily. I just pulled it up. Sadly temporary. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep looking into this. Yeah. I, I think that would be a cool thing. And it is a beautiful place to go. And they have a lot of, it's, they have a lot of displays, kind of like a museum, if I'm remembering right, with, from devotional things from all over the world. So it's pretty cool. The wood carving is 17 feet wide and eight feet high. Yeah. With an amazing sense of depth, color, and dimension. There you go. So I won't keep reading it. Go check out their website, but I want to go there again. Yeah. Okay. It's in Nashville. That'd be cool. So they went to prepare the meal there in the upper room. And it was just like Jesus said it was going to be. They found the man. The man said, here, they got the room prepared. So now we're at six o'clock on Thursday evening. And this is when the Passover meal is celebrated by all Jews on that Thursday of Passover week. Okay. And I'm getting so excited about this because you're remembering. I'm remembering. And Wes, I want you to hear this part. I mean, I hate that I'm saying that, but to call Wes out, I mean, everybody's listening to it. Yeah. But but I'm he's excited. just in the room and you know he's he hasn't in the room heard and yet. he hasn't heard it. And I'm getting excited about what I learned when we got to this part. Okay, good. So in Matthew chapter 26, verses 20 through 35. Now, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. 
being deeply grieved, they began to say to him, each one, Surely it is not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is going away just as it is written about him. And just as a side, the Son of Man is a reference to the Messiah and to himself. He is referring to himself there. The Son of Man is going away just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Now while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many for the for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom. So that's the passage. And for a lot of us, if you... Go back. I'm sorry. He said, I will not drink this again until I'm with you in my Father's kingdom. When I drink, till I drink it with you new... New in my father's kingdom, but he took the bread first. Yes, and he says, "This is this." Brit said that part again. Taking this is my body. That's okay, so he, he okay, and then cup. So, so that for a lot of us who, if you've spent a lot of time in a church that uses this liturgy for communion, like I almost was just doing that from memory and it wasn't the exact words that were in front of me. So I was right. having to go back and read it. Mm-hmm. So you just fall back into that thing that you've heard over and over. So it loses a lot of its uniqueness and we have to work really hard to concentrate on what's happening, to think about mm-hmm. what this represents. Okay. So this is the part. So what is commonly known today is G Je- as Jesus's last supper. Okay is really a Passover Seder meal. Seder is spelled S-E-D-E-R. So this was a meal that was practiced every Passover by all the Jews. So what Jesus was saying was a part of a ritual that they would fall into in the same way that taking the Lord's Supper or taking communion for a Christian could become Mm-hmm. ritualistic, like you're almost doing it without thinking because it's so common to you, mm-hmm. okay? so Jesus- or, or anything else that's so common to me, to you, because I have an example that I just come up with after you finish telling this part. Okay, well, you okay. So you might want to save a little bit, but definitely get to it. So being an observant Jew, was, um, Jesus was required to go to Jerusalem and to celebrate the Passover, and the slaughtering of the Paschal lamb, the Passover lamb. This event took place on the evening before his death, probably on the 14th of Nisan, which is the name of the Jewish month, the traditional day for the Passover Seder, okay? So want to get your mindset into the idea that this was a ritual, okay? Jesus said a blessing over wine, which would have represented the traditional first cup of wine at the Seder. A blessing over the fruit of the vine is the appropriate blessing for a glass of wine. Okay. So that. So if, if I was to go to a Seder meal today. Yeah. 
they would have a blessing over the wine. Yeah, that would be the first thing. And it's not just one. Okay, that's the first cup. I, I think it referred to that. Re- there's more than one cup of wine in the Seder meal. So the traditional first cup would be a blessing. And so that would be that first blessing that Jesus says. In John 13, uh, verses 4 through 5, we read about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. So that wasn't in the passage that we read, but that is something else that happened that night that's recorded in another gospel. This washing of the feet may have been a substitution of or in addition to the part of the Seder meal that's a ceremonial washing of hands, okay? So normally you would wash hands as part of the ceremony. Here Jesus washes feet, which is a more intimate and deeper thing because they didn't wear shoes or they wore sandals and their feet were dirty. And to really humble yourself (laughs) and wash someone's feet is a big deal. So Mm -hmm. it's good to go read about that. It's been a while since someone's washed my feet. And Like, yeah. Um, also during this time of the feet slash hand washing, there would have been a second cup of wine poured and drunk along with the asking of the traditional four questions. Okay. So there's four, we're not going to get into that, but there's four questions. Then the unleavened bread would be broken and a blessing said, okay. So after the second cup of wine is drunk, Jesus takes a piece of something off of the Seder table and dips it into either the bitter herbs or hereseth, which is part of the Seder meal, dipping. So like when he, before he says that to Judas, he dips something. Well, that's part of the meal to dip into the bitter herbs and then hands it to Judas. Now that's recorded in John. This is probably not this anyway. So then he hands it to Judas. So at this point in the Passover Seder, the lamb would be eaten. Notice Judas left before this happened. Wow. And that's important because this would have um, made him subject. If he had eaten, no, because he didn't eat the Passover lamb because Judas didn't, this would have made him subject to the consequence of Numbers 9, chapter 9, verse 13, which says, but if a man who is ceremonially clean, meaning he's been washed and not on a journey, no, that's not what that means. That means he hasn't done anything that keeps him out of the community and not on a journey, fails to celebrate the Passover, that person must be cut off from his people because he did not present the Lord's offering at the appointed time. That man will bear the consequences of his sins. That's in Numbers 9, 13. So Judas would have been that man because he left before he celebrated the Passover, before he ate the lamb. So it's important to see that Jesus applied two of the main parts of the Seder to his life, the unleavened bread and one cup of wine. By applying the bread, Jesus was saying that his life contained no sin. Jesus equated leaven, yeast, with sin in the 16th chapter of Matthew and in the 8th chapter of Mark. So this author who's writing that, that that I'm reading, is saying that Jesus equated himself with the unleavened bread, which also equates with his sinfulness. When he Mm -hmm. says, this is my body, sinlessness. When he says, this is my body broken to you for you, it's unleavened bread. So it's representing his sinless Sinlessness, b- yeah. body in the way it would have. Rep- the unleavened bread would have represented the pure lamb in the original Passover. Yeah. Now, what we talked about before and what strikes me here um, in his, I'm going to read a little bit more. In his hands, the unleavened bread of affliction, symbolizing the suffering of Israel, which is what it symbolizes in the Seder meal, mm-hmm. became something more. It became his affliction and suffering. 
And I'll go on and read about the cup and then make a comment. The third cup of redemption, symbolic of the blood of the Passover lamb, which is the one he uses, is the cup he picks up when he says, this is my body, became the redeeming power of his own blood shed for the remission of sins. From that moment forward, the Passover meal was forever transformed. So what I imagine is the shock. Yeah. I would think it was shock of those disciples, his 12 sitting there with him and you're doing this ritual. And all of a sudden when it comes to the part of the bread, he said, this is my body Well, broken for you. And this just came to me. They've probably had this Passover meal before. Oh, every year of their life. No, every... but with Jesus. Yes, that's true. So the year before. Yes. He did not say this. Probably not. So what I'm saying is this, they probably had to pass over, they have to the Seder meal with Jesus for a couple of years. And this one, he's throwing some other stuff on us here that means Big. a lot more. This is my body broken for you. And that third cup is the cup of redemption. And by saying, this is my blood shed for you, he becomes the redeemer. Yeah. That's what I was going to, Wes and any other listener that I think is so interesting is that I never knew that this was a traditional meal with traditional commands. readings, commands. You can go back in Exodus and read everything that Moses says you're supposed to do when you celebrate this meal. And the Jews have done that. Yeah. And so that's, so I never knew. I just think, you know, you go to church, you take communion. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. And then he said this. I thought, I thought you just sitting there and he goes, hey, here's an idea. Let me explain it to you this way. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. You know, he was taking a tradition and changing it. Well, what he was doing was fulfilling it. I, yeah, I, what I'm saying Because is, he's saying, he's saying, this is something you know, and this is about being delivered out of slavery, out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. Well, well now it's about being delivered out of slavery to sin, but the disciples are like it's clicking, like yeah, it's being fulfilled in front of me right now. And the silly example that I was going to say was, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Um, how does it go? Of the allegiance. United States, oh, the United of, States America. of America, and to the republic, and to the republic for which it stands, one, one nation, nation under me. <laughs> like, oh, wait, wait, why are you saying under? Me? You know what I'm saying? Is something that you know. But then someone changes it up to be different. You're like, oh, what do you, I know under God. Well, that's because I'm, I'm explaining it to you differently. Yeah. I know that's a, that's a, I'm weak... trying to wipe, yeah, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. It doesn't carry all the symbolism that no, this event does. No, it doesn't. But I'm just trying to give the example of you. It's something that was, it's different and it catches your attention. Yeah. It catches your attention, and then in this situation, they start diving deep into that meaning. Yeah, it doesn't. Hopefully, we don't know how much they caught when, but for us going back and reading it, it's like wow. In the Seder meal, the third cup immediately follows supper. It also corresponds to the third promise of Exodus six six: "I will redeem you." The cup of redemption that Jesus referred to here symbolized the redemption He was about to offer us through His death. Right. And so that is, um, there will be more explanation as we move forward in more of the story of what 
this is and how it relates to faith. Um, that'll come in future episodes once we finish the story of the life of Jesus on earth. I have a question. Okay. It has to do with logistics. We have an episode 31. Right. And we just reached the point where we stopped. Oh, we did. We just got there. Yes. That was my question. That was, was where do answer. we need to get to? That's where So we, that 31 makes sense. We got we got to where we need to get to. Okay. So one thing that we did in 30 as well is that you have brought another bag to the studio. Mm-hmm. Did I mention it in 29? No, in 29. No, no. I didn't this goes this with 30, 30 and 31. 30. So it's a black gift bag. It's very nice. It looks like it would be an expensive store. I recognize the logo. It says, can I say it? Did I say it before? I think you did. <laughs> Till- I don't remember. It's a Tillamook Creamery, which Tillamook, by the way, now, after, since 30. Yeah, but we don't talk about what it is till 31. You just recognized it and yeah. said, this is what it says. So I can't and- talk about what I was about to say. But you No, I can't. Well, we'll bring it up in 32 then. Cause- we'll bring it up in 32. Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging with us with all this confusion, trying to put our little pieces back together when well, we move forward. I think forward this is a and- good one. Um, yeah, anyway, the bag she brought, I'm, when we get to 31, there is a reveal of what this bag is about. Because, you know, we've been doing this thing where we have a little surprise, um, and, and that's what it is. It's that black, nice, it's a paper bag. It's black with gold writing on it, you know, like if you went to an expensive gift store, boutique store, and they give you a bag. As a matter of fact, I got a couple of comments. This is new material, okay? Okay, let me throw one thing in before you go new. When okay. you in in the original 30 take 1, yeah. There was Frank was very taken aback by the attractiveness of the bag. Okay. Oh, so that, you need to make sure that's on the record. Yeah, that's on the record. Cuz 31 will make more sense if yes. I was very attracted yes. to the back. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one. I went to uh, this past weekend to Rock City in Chattanooga. See Rock City. It's a park, it's a garden, it's little trails and it's really cool and it really is a fun thing to do. We had a good time. But I bought a uh, a gift and it had that really nice Sea Rock City bag. And but we only had one gift, but I had, it's, it's too hard to explain. I asked for just the bag. I, Can I have a second bag? Because that's a cute bag. It is. The Sea Rock City, you know, because. Does it look from, like the birdhouse? Yeah, it does. Oh, okay. It's red and black. And it says Sea Rock City in black. And it's got red. So I'm like, this is a cool bag. Yeah. And they don't charge you for the bag. Well, good for Rock City. Nice. Uh, but I'll tell you something else that has to do with with the episodes. Uh, it came up earlier. We were on our break. It wasn't recorded, but something came up about Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I'm listening to a book. I'm listening to a book. I'm reading a book. I'm listening to a book. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It's talking about the Gospels. And the whole point of the book is looking at Christ's life and Christ as the Son of God in a way that you're trying to like prove its case in court. It's evidence. Yeah. It's evidence. Yeah. So he's a journalism, a journalist, and he's doing he's an investigative journalist. And so he is doing this work as if it and was And it's an older book, right? Not anything that just was, came out. I think from the early nineties. Okay. Right. But not yeah. in the twenty first century. It's thirty years old. Yeah. Um but one of the things I learned, and it had to do with the authors of the Gospels, and maybe I misheard it, 
but I looked it up. Paul, whatever. Okay. But those gospels, we talked about this in the beginning, like episode 25, or we talked about this. Somewhere in the beginning of part two. That they were written a hundred years, they were written down like a hundred years after Christ. No, maybe 30 years after Christ. Yeah, about 30. About 30 years after Christ, these words were written down. So there were 30 years that went from verbal stories mm-hmm. to written down. To written down. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Alexander the Great, that stuff that was written about him, it was 400 years later. Before it was written down? Yes. Wow. So, so how so, accurate do we believe in Alexander the Great? Yeah. And 400 years went down yeah. past. So that's Lee Strobel's point. Y'all, that is a classic book for... But not only that, listen to this. Not only were the Gospels 30 years later, but like some of the other books that we're going to get to. The letters were much sooner. Were much sooner. Yeah. So really, the letters are written two or three years. I don't know if it's that close, but it's pretty close. After Christ. 400 years after the great. I was like, what? Yeah. And you're going to debate this? Okay, that's not what we're about, but that's, that's not a good what we're point. About. It's a good and point. so, um, but if you're Shut interested in, you should have seen how she looked at me and put her hand up. Like, no, stop. I did not. You sure did. It's not what we're about. That's not. Oh, I did not. Anyway, if you're interested in, now that's just rude. What you're doing now? What? <laughs> just making stuff up. <laughs> if you're interested in evidence for Jesus, that book is a great book. Least trouble, the case for Christ. Yeah. So. Check it out. I'm enjoying that. Well, we will see you. We will see you episode 32. But But you're going to see us (laughs) in episode 31. (laughs) All right. See you. See you. Thanks for listening to History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast, brought to you by One Thing Only. For more information and related content, head over to onethingonly.org and click on History Through the Eyes of Faith podcast. There you will find related content as well as a way to ask questions and make comments. We want to hear from you. You can find us on all your streaming podcast platforms. Please rate and review. Thanks again.